It's so good to be able to share with you this morning. Uh, again, I was contemplating the messages during convention, and they were they were all so good. I was planning to give a summary, but it would uh, it would be much better if you just watched them yourselves because I don't know if I could summarize them all in thirty minutes. Um, they were very very good, especially Pastor Gazaways on Wednesday night was talking about um, being a candidate to be chosen or commissioned in a fight against Goliath. It was really, really, really good. Um, talking about doing battle and getting a commission and as an officer and choosing to uh, fight again, bring down the stronghold of oppression. It was, it was really, really good. <clears throat> one of the, one of the message, or actually, if we could turn to Matthew three, verse 11, kind of our opening text and we'll kind of, launch out from this this morning. I baptize you with water. This is, of course, John the Baptist speaking. He says, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And the word that that I got was fire. Fire. And Pastor Dan Karam on Tuesday shared an, an incredible message about the fire of God and staying hot, staying hot for him. And I thought about it, and he, he, his message was appropriate for the convention, but I took that and I said, what about this fire? How can we tend to our fire? How can we keep our fire kindled? And how, what happens when our fire goes out? If our fire goes out, how does our fire go out? And I thought of this old quote by William Booth, who, as you all know, is the founder of, or may not know, the founder of the Salvation Army. And a, a quote he said was, Look well to the fire of your souls, for the tendency of fire is to go out. Look well to the fire of your souls, for the tendency of fire is to go out. So first we get this fire implanted in us, if you will, even at Salvation if you remember your salvation experience, I remember mine well, and I was only maybe six years old, five years old. I remember it like it was yesterday. There was something just burning within me. We were watching um, some sort of movie about uh, somebody who had passed away, and I was just, my chest was like almost ready to explode. I remember I was in my bed as a five-year-old. My chest was just on fire, and I said, what happened? When this person dies, where do they go? What happened to them? They just get snuffed out. And I went and I asked my mom, I said, well, what happens when somebody dies? Because I, I was probably too curious and too smart for my own good back then. So I always ask questions. And my mom pulled me aside and she said, well, if they knew Jesus, they went to heaven. I said, well, what if they didn't know Jesus, right? <laughs> and, they, and she shared with me salvation and led me to the Lord as a, as a young boy and um, I've been, you know, in the church since, and I'm so thankful for that. But I remember my chest was just on fire, and I, I know now what that was. It was conviction. It was the Holy Spirit saying, "Ha," ah, trying to trying to pull, and draw, He was drawing me. And if maybe your experience was similar, where you and and we get that kind of like fire within us, and that's kind of the starting point of it. Um. You know, in, in Israel, they even saw the Lord in Exodus 24, 17, the appearance 
of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. They saw this fire on the mountain. And that is where it's implanted into us. It comes from the throne of heaven. It comes from the throne of God, the conviction of the Holy Spirit, if you will, at salvation. And then, you know, of course, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the initial filling in Acts 2, 1 through 4. We won't read them all, but we know that cloven tongues of fire were over their heads in verse 4 as they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke in tongues as the, the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. That fire was upon them. But even that wasn't the end of it. They kept that anointing and that baptism, baptism stoked. Later on in Acts chapter 4, they were facing persecution. This fire within them, it has to go out and they're preaching and sharing and thousands are saved. Apostle Peter on Pentecost explains to everybody, this is what the Old Testament prophets were talking about. This is happening now, and he's explaining it to them. And at the end of his sermon in Acts 2 or 3, he says, the people are like, well, that's great, but now what do we do? Now what? And he says, repent, be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Let this fire continue to grow. And, and of course, the Romans were not very pleased with any of this, and neither were the elders and the Pharisees and the elite. They kept saying, Stop it. Stop preaching. Stop doing what you're doing or we're going to make your life miserable. I'm paraphrasing. That's the JJV, the JSV, Jason Standard Version. We're going to make your lives miserable. We're going to persecute you. And they did. They killed a lot of people. And But in Acts chapter 4, Peter and the apostles said, we're not going to stop. You can do whatever you like to us, but we're going forward. And then they they didn't just talk the big talk. They went together. Acts chapter 4, verse 23 through 31. And again, we won't read all of them, but verse 31. They prayed for boldness to preach and proclaim the gospel as God had convicted them. That fire was growing and growing and growing and growing and burning, and they had to spread it. And they prayed for boldness to continue to share and when they were gathered together in one accord, in unity, they prayed and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and can, continued to speak the word of God with boldness. And you can say, well, weren't they just filled with this Holy Spirit like two chapters ago? And I say, yeah, they were, but they needed another filling up because that's one of the great things about the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5.18 it says, don't be drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. This is the ESV, of course. But be filled with the Spirit. And that the Greek language has a, a continuous tense, which I really appreciate, because words like this have more meaning. It's not just be filled once. It's not just be filled twice. It's a continuous filling. Continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And as you pour out, you need to get stopped back up, right? It's like you dump out your pitcher of water. You got to fill it back up or else it's empty. And you need to be continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's what the Apostle Paul was telling the Ephesian church. That's the message to us. Don't just get filled once or twice or three times or four times. Be continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. The fire of God continuously burning within us. Now, the fire of God and the offerings as well. Leviticus 
Chapter 6, verses 8 through 13, talks about the fire of God offering to the Lord sacrifices and that fire quenching those sacrifices. Uh, the, the, the main verse is verse 13, which says, The fire shall be kept burning on the altar continually. It will not go out. Hold that verse in mind because we're going to need it in just a few minutes. The fire on the altar burns continually. But what were they offering here in Leviticus? Well, they were offering offerings of repentance, right? We know that. Sin and transgressions and whatever. However, the level of their sin was the level of offering, and then that fire came and quenched it. And they were offering offerings of thanksgiving as well. And that fire took that and consumed it up. But offering in the tabernacle. So we have it at salvation. We have it at our infilling of the Holy Spirit, the continual filling of the Holy Spirit, and keeping that fire stoked should be, must be, priority number one. Keep that fire stoked. I remember when I was younger, my mom used to make me watch this show called Little House on the Prairie. Not my brand of uh, entertainment, although very wholesome and most of the time decent. Um, but I just never got into it. I actually did read the books and I enjoyed the books, just didn't like the show. But back in those times, I remember them always keeping wood on the fire. Always keeping wood on the fire. Because what happens in the prairie land when there's snow on the ground and there's no fire burning? Everybody's going to get really cold really fast. And if you stay too cold too fast in those extreme temperatures, what happens? Good night. And you don't wake up. So you need continuous fire burning. So if that's the case, the contrary could also be true, that our fire can go out. And our fire can go out. And I, this is what I was really asking the Lord about. I was like, well, what can cause the fire to go out in us? Because we've all been around for a pretty long time by now. But what can... And, you like to think this is a message that we've probably heard a hundred times. And that was another theme of convention. If you if you watch the messages, several of the speakers said, this is pretty basic stuff and I know it, but we need to hear it again. And, and I was just thinking about that. We need a fresh kind of rehearsal or re rehearsing of keeping this fire hot. Uh, I called it a to one of my friends who's an engineer back in Michigan, I called it a recalibration, kind of recalibrating our, our instruments to make sure everything's kind of lined up. And as you probably know, Brother Mike, if your instruments are off, even by a degree, you're going to be way off miles and miles down the road. So keeping that message kind of reset. So what are some of the things that can cause our fire to go out or at least decrease? Well, the first one uh, the ones I think of first are the sons of Eli. <clears throat> the sons of Eli in, in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12, it says, and the ESV says it pretty well. The sons of Eli were worthless men. They did not know the Lord. Worthless. Could you imagine having scripture say that about you? Recorded for eternity. The sons of Eli were worthless men. And now, who is Eli? Who was Eli? He was a high priest. What were the sons of Eli? They were priests serving in the tabernacle, serving in God's house, and they were worthless. And it said, adding to that, they did not know 
the Lord. Whew, that's, that's very sad. What were some of the things that they did? Well, I'm not going to list them all because they did a lot. But summarizing it, they stole from the offering of God. When people would come in and give their offering, they would take these hooks that had prongs on them. They take the best part of the offering. They take it to themselves, which is exactly the opposite of what was supposed to happen. The best was supposed to go to God, and the priests were supposed to have the priests were supposed to have a piece, but the best was supposed to go to God, and they took the best to themselves. They committed immorality in the tabernacle with the women who were working in the tabernacle. And they were brazen about it. They didn't care who knew. They showed off. They were bragging about what they were doing. Worthless. That's why scripture calls them worthless. Now, what's the real sin? That, of course, is real sin. But Eli let it happen. They were bragging about it. There was no secret sin. This was not secret sin. This was sin in front of God and everybody. And Eli let it continue as the high priest. Now, finally, in verses 22 through 25, I'm giving you these verses for your notes so you can go home and add to this. Eli rebukes them and he says, why are you doing what you're doing? Telling them to, to stop and so forth. But by then, it was way too late. It was too late. Because if you go into chapter 3 now, which we will, we will read, 1 Samuel chapter 3. Now the child, verse 1, Now the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord, and this whole time, while the, the Eli's sons are doing all of this, God is not pleased. He's raising up Samuel. He's putting all of the things in place so that Samuel can be born, transferred in under Eli's mentorship, and he's implanting seeds in Samuel because he knows I'm raising up. Verse 35 of chapter 2, which isn't on your screen here, but I will raise me up a faithful priest that will do all according, according to that which is in mine heart and in my mind, and I will build him a sure house and he will walk before mine anointed forever. The whole time while Phineas and the Hophni are doing their worthlessness, he's raising up Samuel. So that's a whole other message, but I wanted to point that out. God had a plan. It's not like he was just saying, oh, what do I do? The priests are out of control. He was raising up Samuel, and he was waiting for the right time to bring judgment and then put Samuel where he belonged. But here's the result of Eli letting his sons and his sons in their wickedness. Verse, chapter 3, verse 1. The word of the Lord was precious in those days, and there was no open vision. What does that sound like? Sounds like no fire in the tabernacle. Sounds like everything is out, cold. This isn't even lukewarm. This is cold. There's no open vision. The word of the Lord is precious, rare, hardly heard, if heard at all. And where was that word of the Lord supposed to come from? The tabernacle, the, the priests. It wasn't there. So that's one thing that can cause our fire to go out, sin. Open sin. Another one is complacency. Complacency or 
the church of Ephesus in Revelation 2, verses 4 through 5. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. You have abandoned the love that you had at first. That was what the Lord had against the church of Ephesus. Proverbs 1.32 says, The simple are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. Proverbs 10, verse 4, A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Complacency. Eh, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Or I'll get to it tomorrow. Manana, as they say in Central and South America. Manana, manana. Complacency. Saying, and the Lord is saying, no, you have left your first love. You've let your heart grow dull. You've lost your passion. Your fire is going out. And he tells them, turn again. Return to the works that you did at the beginning, is what he tells them in Revelation 2. Return back to what you did at the start. Remember what it was like when you were hot and on fire? Go back to that, because you're not there anymore. Another thing that can cause our fire to go out, riches. This was one of the main indictments of the church of Laodicea. Revelation 3, verses 15 through 17. I know you work your works. You are neither cold nor hot. I would that you were cold or hot, one or the other. But because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiful, or pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Now, is there anything wrong with being rich? No, not really, no. Scripturally, God wants us to prosper. But the attitude here is, I'm rich. I got it made. I don't need anything. I've got everything I have ever needed. That's a dangerous place to be in. Because when we say, I've got everything and all my possessions are what I need, what are we really saying? Well, I don't really need the Lord anymore. I've kind of got it covered right here. And that's what Laodicea, that's was their, that was their indictment. I am rich. I've prospered and I don't need anything. That's scary. And he says, I'm spitting you out of my mouth. It's literally revolting to the Lord to have that kind of an attitude where he's bringing it up and throwing them out of their mouths. So rich riches, when the priority is placed in the wrong part of riches. Now, many people I know... Uh, are, are wealthy, but they use their wealth to bless others, to bless the church of God, to, to prosper their ministry, or, or, or they use it in proper ways. And what happens? God makes them even more rich. God gives them more so they can continue to bless. That's the right balance. But when it's, I, have, I, don't, I, have, I don't need anything else. I've got my two or three cars and my huge house, and I'm just going to sit here in my rocking chair and wait for whatever happens. That's not the right way to do it. And that's not what God wants at all. <clears throat> Another couple of things, Jeremiah 9, 23 through 24. The Lord says, let not the wise men boast in wisdom. Let not the mighty boast in might. Let not rich men boast in riches. These are a couple of other things that can lead to our fire growing out. I'm wise, I'll figure it out. Wisdom, what happened with Solomon? Talk about fire going out. 
He was wise. He knew more than, wiser than anyone who had gone before him. Mighty men. Well, who can we think of there? Samson. He's like, well, I'm strong. I got it figured out. Natural strength. He even boasted. He had the strength from the Lord, and he still was boasting in that. But he didn't keep his fire stoked, and he went out. And, of course, we talked about riches. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord. We can even become weary and well-doing. Galatians 6, verse 9. <clears throat> let us not grow weary and well-doing or doing good, for in due season God will reap if we do not give up. We can become, we can kind of let works wear us out and cause us to grow cold as well. And we'll talk about this in just a minute, but it, that complacency, that coolness, we can compensate by, okay, well, I'm just going to work harder in the church or work harder here or do more of this. And it's overcompensating for our fire going out and we're trying to stoke it in other ways. And we're going to see in just a minute that God calls that strange fire, which is just as, is not, is just as bad. If we're compensating for a fire going out by trying to do something else, that's strange fire. And that's scary as well. So talked about complacency, talked about sin, we talked about riches and wisdom and strength. All of these things are good things. Well, complacency is not good, but riches and wisdom, great things. Strength, great thing. But if we put our trust in that or focus on that and lose our cause it to lose our fire, then we, we run into problems. So the dangers are we become lukewarm. And as we read about the Laodicean church, lukewarm is worse than being cold. Lukewarm is you think you're okay. I don't really need anything. I'm good. And God says he spews you out of your mouth. If our fire is going dim, as I mentioned, the tendency is to compensate or overcompensate in other areas. For a relationship is going down, we tend to overcompensate by overemphasis on works or overemphasis on insert the blank here and say, well, that's going to, that'll take care of my fire going out and try to stir it up naturally or by other means. And this is what the very definition of what strange fire is. And Leviticus 10 verses one through three, Nahab. Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it and laid incense on it and offered unauthorized or strange fire before the Lord, which he had, which he had not commanded them. The fire came out from the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. This is what the Lord had said, among those who, who are near me, I will be sanctified before all the people, I will be glorified. See, the, the Levitical priests, the priests had a very specific instructions about dealing with the fire. They were only to take fire from the altar. And for whatever reason, we don't really know, but Nadab and Abihu, for whatever reason, said, we're going to just do it this way. And they made their own fire and tried to off, offer that to the Lord. And God said, nope, that is not my pattern. That was not his instruction. And fire came from heaven and consumed them. Whatever reason, we don't know, but they tried to do it in their own natural way. And God said no. And it was an abomination to him. Strange. <clears throat> that word strange, unauthorized, like it says in the ESV, 
defines something in the, the, the Hebrew language, defines it as something outside of the law of God. That's what strange means. Many verses talk about strange. Proverbs is all about the strange woman versus the godly woman outside the law of God. Psalm 144, rid me and deliver me from the hand of strange children. Jeremiah 2.21, I have planted thee as a noble vine, holy, a right seed. How art thou turned into a degenerate plant of a strange vine? This is what he's saying to Israel. I planted you, I stoked you, I built you up, and now you're degenerate and strange to me. That's what that word strange means. So strange fire equals death. Strange fire also produces strange children, strange people. This is a point that Pastor Dan Karam really focused on in the, his message was strange fire. When we stir up our own messages and our own way of doing things in, in a church, the people in your congregation are getting a strange message which is outside the law of God, and you're not reproducing godly children, you're reproducing strange children, which is um, an indictment of several. You hear things like, you know, forgiveness, God forgives you, but you don't need to repent, or God loves you just the way you are. You don't have to change those kinds of things. Worship, strange worship. I'm so, so, so thankful for how we guard our praise and worship vigorously in Zion here at this church and in other churches as well. We guard it vigorously. We take very seriously the praise and worship that happens in in our churches. And I'm very thankful for that because that's a big thing that happens where the the compromise occurs. Well, why don't you have this or this or this? Well, because this is the pattern that God gave us. This is what we follow. And I'm so thankful for that. So if we're not careful, there's an entire generation of strange children being brought up outside of the law of God. And you can see it. Just look around. So let's tend to the fire. How do we keep the fire going? 2 Timothy 1.6, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying out of hands. Fan that flame. Stir it up. How do we do that? Well, there's a few things we can do. Remember Leviticus 6.13, which said, the fire that is near the altar never goes out. So what's one way to make sure (laughs) that our fire always stays hot? Is stay as close as we can to the altar where the fire is. Where's the altar? Where's the, where God is, where he is, where his fire is. Israel saw it at the mountain. He, the fire engulfed the mountain. Stay as close as we can to his presence. Be in his presence as much as we possibly can. Pray daily. Regular communication keeps that relationship fresh, keeps the relationship going. Imagine we're all married here. If you're living in the same house, but you don't talk to your spouse for two months, three months, four months. You're living in the same house. You're all doing the same thing, but you never talk to each other. You just, you do your thing. I'm going to do mine. What's that relationship going to be like after the end of, (laughs) forget months, after the end of a week, what's that relationship going to be like? (laughs) Two weeks, three weeks. Well, relationship is about communication. Communication. God is a God 
who wants a relationship with us. Jesus prayed every day. He got up early, went off by himself. You can see it all through the Gospels. Went off by himself up to the mountain or wherever he was to hear from the Lord, to hear from his Father, and to communicate with him. You see it all the way back in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. After Adam and Eve sinned, fell away from God, God didn't break the relationship. He was in the garden, walking and looking for them. Where did they go? It gives you the sense, if you could interpret that a little bit, is it was a daily occurrence. It was almost like a pattern. Wait a minute, where did they go? (laughs) They ran away because of the sin that they had done. They knew they were wrong, but God was still there looking for that communication, looking for that relationship. So pray daily. He's a God of relationship. Also, meditate on his word. And I know these are basic things, but sometimes we need to hear basic things over again. We need to recalibrate, if you will, refocus ourselves. Meditate on his word. Psalm 1, verses 1 through 2. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. His delight is the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Meditate. It's like the cow. Pastor Bailey always used to use the example of a cow chewing on the cud, bringing it up, chewing on it again, and taking more nutrients out of it, and then kind of letting it settle, and then bringing it back up and chewing on it again, getting some more life out of it, and then bringing it up and chewing on it again. Day and night, that's what that word meditate implies to us. We need that regular rhema from heaven as well. It's is hearing from the Lord, Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, the rhema word of God as well. Meditate on that. When's the last rhema you received from God? Meditate on it. This is what God, I know he spoke this to me. It's in my heart. That was rhema. Meditate on it. Bring it up over and over and over again. It stirs up that faith that's within you. It adds to that faith that's within that's within us. Keeps that fire burning hot. And of course, the other God's law we talked about, one of my favorite verse chapters in the whole Bible, of which there are many, but Psalm 119 is all about God's law. Somebody challenged me once to to read Psalm 119 and just look at how many times it mentions the law, his statutes, his commandments, his word. Many, 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 many verses 9 through 11, 33 through 35, 45 through 48. 105, a big one, right? Thy word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. The entrance of thy word gives life, it gives understanding. Great peace have they which love thy law. Nothing shall offend them. It's a great, great exercise to just go through Psalm 119. It's long, it'll take you a while, but just look at all the ways it references God's word, God's law, and how important and all the blessings that are associated with loving and honoring and keeping his word and his law. David constantly was saying, give me more understanding. Show me your ways. Teach me your statutes. Let me know your laws. Okay. Another way to keep the fire burning is to serve others. 
We hear from God, we pray from God, we meditate on his word, but we can serve others as well. Now this is in balance. It's not to compensate for the fire going out. That's a different thing. But another way that we can continue and keep that fire burning is to to serve others. Uh, Hebrews 6, verse 10. God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints, as you still do. Galatians 5, or sorry, um, Matthew 5, 15 through 16. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they might see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. When you're serving others, you're giving glory to God, you're, you're, you're honoring him. You're demonstrating what he's done in you, and you're helping others to grow in that in that same way. Another way to keep our fire burning is exactly what we're doing here. Christian fellowship. Christian fellowship. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. Let us consider how to stir up one another. What do you do when a fire starts going out? You get that little poker, and you stir it up. You get the oxygen going again, and you add more wood to it. And what happens? It starts to fire up again. To stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, this is the ESV, as as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more, as you see the day drawing near, encouraging one another, hearing stories, hearing examples, hearing how God has met us, it's so encouraging, and it, it stirs us up. And you might hear Brother Les tell something about how God met with him, and you're like, wow, yeah, I need to meet with the Lord in in that area as well. Or you hear an example, and you're like, man, that's encouraging, because I needed to hear that, needed to hear that. And it helps kind of say, oh, wow, that was was nice. (laughs) You can get that, and it's so encouraging. And that's one of the byproducts of Christian fellowship. Yes, it's good to get together and worship the Lord together, and that is obviously our ultimate priority, but to get together and fellowship and share how God is meeting with us and how he's dealing with us. You never know how that might encourage somebody else who's going through something very similar or who just needs a fresh word or a fresh stirring up, if you will. Okay. Uh, last verse. First John 1, verses 6 through 7. If you say you have fellowship with him while you walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Part of walking in the light. It's so amazing how he says, if you say you walk in the light, but you don't, when you walk in, while you walk in darkness, you're lying. But if you walk in the light, one of the byproducts, is you will fellowship one with another. We have that fellowship. Why do we have that fellowship? We are multiple generations, even the seven of us in the room and whoever's watching at home. Multiple generations. But what's the one thing we have in common? We're all walking in the light. We're all following Christ. We have that common ground amongst each other. So take heed. Look well to the fire of your souls. 
as William Booth said, look well to the fire of your souls for the tendency is to go out. What are some of the things that can cause us, as we've already talked about, some things that can cause our fire to go out? Now, I don't think any of you, any of us are in blatant open sin, certainly not as bad as Hophni and Phineas, but say, Lord, what's, is there something in here that needs to be tweaked, corrected? Complacency, riches, wisdom, strength, all of those things, if out of balance, can, can cause ourselves to, our fire to go out. And then, of course, keeping it hot, keeping it fresh, stoking those flames, praying and meditating on his word, serving and communicating with others. All ways to keep that fire fresh, keep it hot, so we can stay on fire for the Lord all the days of our lives. Amen? Amen. Why don't we stand and we'll just sing, uh, we'll, um, we'll pray in closing, and then we'll dismiss, okay? <clears throat> Father, we're so thankful for how you have called us to be in this place, to be together with you, and we thank you for all that you're doing in our midst. We thank you for speaking to us this morning. We thank you that you've given us that fire, Lord, and we ask afresh, O oh Lord, that you would convict our hearts if there's areas where our fire is starting to diminish. Would you help us, Lord, to stir that up afresh? Help us, Lord, to put the extra attention, Lord, to making sure that we stay hot, we stay on fire for you. We keep that zeal for you fresh in our hearts for all the days of our lives. Lord, we thank you. We bless you. Ask your blessing upon each and every one. And of course, on Pastor Daniel and Sarah as they are ministering to the family and then of course coming home next week, we just ask that you would be with them and bring them back to us safely uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed.